we're looking at this theme of, of the seven deadly sins. If you weren't with us last week, um, then, then you missed out. But as I've been looking at this topic and, and particularly having a look at some of the things on the website, I found this website with the tagline, the seven deadly sins may not be as lethal as you think after all. And so I opened it and it said, take a look at how giving in to temptation isn't always a bad thing. And on and on it went. So as we recognised last week, as Christians, if we stand up against these things as uh, potential areas of sin that would, that would dra- drag us away from God, we're going to meet uh, resistance in our culture because many of these things are not seen as bad things in our culture. So last week we looked at the sin of pride. Comes up. And I'd just like to ask you how you went in overcoming uh, your pride, your temptation to pride this week through confession and service. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand up on the spot, but that's a challenge, isn't it? And I hope that you did find that helpful. I um, certainly, I don't think I've had a, a week where I've confessed my sins so many times, <laughs> but that's, that's a good thing. But we have to fight against these things because these sins are actually deadly and they do want to destroy our relationship with each other and with our God in heaven. So today we're, we're looking at this uh, second of the deadly sins, envy. The Bible has both words envy and coveting and I was interested to see if I could find the nuances of the difference. The 10th commandment says you shall not covet. You, know, you shall not be envious of what your, your brothers or sisters have. And as far as I can see, uh, envy is a, is a little bit stronger than coveting. So if you're resentful against a person because of um, their particular traits, it might be their intelligence, their strength, their abilities, their beauty, their status, their possessions. If you are actually resentful towards that person and that resentfulness comes to harm or malice, then you've kind of overstepped coveting and you're right in in the sphere of envy. So envy actually does bad or wishes bad to other people. Coveting says, you know, I want what you have. Envy goes the next step further and says, because you have that, I'm going to be uh, angry towards you or violent towards you or whatever it is. Envy always ends in hatred and disdain. And we see that in the story um, of Joseph's brothers that that, um, Judith read to us. He was spoiled by his father given the coat but the thing that really got on the 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 brother's uh, bad side was the fact that he kept having these dreams where he told them that he was going to rule over them all and that's why they acted out of envy they didn't all want a coat they were, they were a bit annoyed that he had a coat but the thing that made them act in, with in, with such wicked in t- intention as to murder their own brother was because he kept making himself better than them and telling them that they would have to worship him and bow down to him. 
So it's a serious thing, isn't it, to, that would lead one brother or a group of brothers to want to murder another. But that is the way that envy can unfold if it's not checked. So what I want to do this morning is um, just share some verses from Scripture. I'm going to put them on the screen. And I hope these will help us, firstly, to understand envy and then how we can work on putting it to death in our personal lives. So the first um, verse of Scripture... Sorry, pointing the wrong thing. Um, The first verse of Scripture is uh, the one that Russell read to us from Mark chapter 7. And I just want to point out the very important thing here that envy is something that comes from within us. Envy is a matter of our hearts not being right with God. So when God fills our hearts with his Holy Spirit, the idea is that we would put to death the things that are, that are um, squeezing the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and we would become more and more like Jesus Christ. So envy attacks at the, at the level of our relationship with God. These, these um, deadly sins want to draw us away from God. And Jesus is saying, it is not the, it's not the things from the outside, it's the things from the inside that are going to destroy you. The things that well up within a person. Envy is evil. It is a product of an evil heart. And the human heart, uh, although we are set free from sin and death we still struggle with the uh, outworking of that and we are called to actually keep in step with God's spirit because if envy is left unchecked it will end up not just defiling you as as um, Jesus was speaking about foods but will end up destroying your life in terms of your relationship with God and with with others so Envy is a serious matter that we shouldn't take lightly and we need to deal with it uh, within our own hearts, each and every one of us. The second thing that we see um, from envy from um, Luke chapter 12 verse 5 is this. Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for a person's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Coveting and envy are actually ingrained into the society in which we live. It is the air that we breathe. We live in what's called a consumerist society and in order to support our economy, people have to keep buying things. People have to keep buying goods and services. So it didn't take the marketers very long to understand that the best way to keep people spending is by enticing them to want more things and the best way to entice them to want more things is to show up what they don't have compared to other people. So our whole society runs on that premise and we keep uh, seeing things put before us that other people have, that other people are enjoying and we are supposed to feel envious so that we might go out and spend our money on whatever it is that is the latest thing. 
I found out an interesting thing during the week. Did you know that the first major department stores, when they opened, they didn't have all their goods on display? If you wanted to buy a, a particular shirt or something, you had to know what you wanted. And you went in and you asked the attendant and they went out the back and they found it for you. What a novel idea. You have to actually work out what you want to buy before you go to the shops. You see how, you see how we've been twisted and manipulated? I like to call this the, the Aldi experience. You can shop at Aldi, but you can't get everything that you need, can you? So um, you have to eventually go to one of the other supermarket chains to buy the few special things that you want. So why do we keep going back to Aldi? Because every week they have a special. And I don't know how we got tied up in this, but one Monday morning, you know, Jenny and I had been to the gym, it was my day off, we went across to Aldi because I forget what was on sale. We were there about five or ten minutes before it opened because it doesn't open until nine o'clock. And there were about 50 people there. And we looked around and said, what are all these people doing here? And then, then when the doors opened, they went for it. And, you know, you can't help but being caught up in... It was, it was actually a sporting gear um, day and I didn't even know I needed an ab cruncher until I saw like 20, 20 of them disappear and there's only one left on the shelf and what do you think wow I must have that everybody else has got one or a bar fridge you know $249 a bargain for a bar fridge and there's, there's people wheeling them out I don't even have a bar but gee I need a bar fridge and, and that's how Aldi works. They, they hit you with the advertising the week before so you know that it's there. But even if you haven't read the advertising, you know that it's going to be exciting to go to Aldi because it could be the tools week. There could be electric power tools, you know, or, or there, there could be garden furniture or garden hoses and all the different fittings you can, that you can get and all the different sprinkler heads and all that. So... You know, going to Aldi is much more than just going to do your grocery shopping. It's actually, we've been drawn in by our consumer society and when you get a bunch of people who are all, like, you know, you could walk past a bar fridge for, for two forty nine every day of the week if nobody else was interested. But when there's 10 people all trying to grab one, I want one. I didn't know I did, but I do now. And, and that's, that's the way that, that it works, isn't it? Consumerism is a religion. I want you to think about that for a minute. Consumerism is a religion. Your identity is based on your possessions and all those things that you bought, you've bought them to build your identity to actually bring more glory to yourself. These things are all about me and what I think I need. So if, if consumerism is a religion, who is the God? Me. Me. Jesus says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Be on your guard if you post a guard, 
you don't just post to guard from nine to five, do you? And say that, well, we don't, you know, that's the working day. You post to guard, they have to be on duty 24-7 or someone might slip in. So Jesus is saying that coveting and envy is like an enemy trying to penetrate our life every second, all day, from all different directions. And we have to be on guard. We have to make sure that we are not fooled into finding our identity in the stuff that we have. Because that's what uh, our consumer society does. Our identity is in ourselves as the consumer. But we need to guard our hearts so that we live not by what our society forces us into, but by what God actually says is true. Envy is a deadly sin. It will, it will attack us from, from our hearts, from the inside out. It will, it will uh, give a, a desired picture for our whole life that can involve us in doing all sorts of things and spending and getting ourselves into all sorts of, of trouble if we do not um, recognise that and if we're not on our guard against it. Envy is a deadly sin which also hurts people. And the people it hurts the most is the people who you love. Look at what James has to say in, um, in his letter. James 4. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You desire, but you do not have. God says, no, you don't need that. And you go, yes, I do. Directly against God's good purposes for us. And do you notice here that it's, it's, not, it's not just the rich and famous that are the people who we envy. In fact, the rich and famous are not our problem. You know, I'm amazed at how many people at, in the supermarket check out if you still like someone to scan your goods. There's magazines and people will take the magazine and have a read. And, you know, there's what's happening with the Kardashians or something like that. I don't know if you saw, there was some gala night in, in New York and, and one of the uh, celebrities was wearing a shan uh, clothes that looked like a chandelier. She had lights all around here and lights all around here. and uh, You know, then there's the photographs of not just their clothes, but their holidays and their cars and their other things. I don't really think I envy the Kardashians. But what, looking at the magazine with the pictures of the Kardashians and what they're doing and where they're holidaying and who they're talking with and what they're eating and what they're wearing and all those kind of things, what does it do? It actually gives me permission to want to have just a little bit more than other people. That's what that magazine is trying to do. It's trying to convince me that I just need to better myself a little bit. 
I can't compete with the, with the movie stars and the celebrities, but hey, I can have a little bit more than you. Those magazines are giving me the permission to do that. The better clothes, the better holiday snaps, the better restaurants that I've gone to, whatever it is. James says, watch out within the church. He's not saying you envy people outside the church. He's saying, brothers and sisters in the church, watch out. Because if you are captured by envy, then you can hate your brother or sister. Particularly if you see them uh, getting something or being blessed by God in some way that you have not. So what does James say? He says, ask God. You can ask God. But he said, don't ask for yourself with wrong motives so that, you, so that you will just have things that you want. He says, don't ask for your own pleasures. Well, then what are you to ask for? You're to ask for God's blessing upon your brothers and sisters. You're actually asking for God to give to your brothers and sisters. It's very hard to be envious of a person if you're praying that God will bless them. That's worth the thought, isn't it? It is very hard to envy a person if you're praying that God will bless them, even in the things that they have that you do not have. We need to pray for each other. We crush envy, we put envy to death by being content with what we have. And... Um, the Apostle Paul says this to the Philippian church. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I have learned the secret of contentment. Have you? Have you learnt the secret of contentment? What is the secret of contentment? Contentment comes when I want for myself what God wants for me. Contentment doesn't take away desire. Uh, that's, that's Buddhism. Christian contentment is rich and fulfilling. So when I want what God wants for me, contentment comes. Contentment comes when I know that God loves me as a perfect heavenly father loves his children. When I know that he will, will, will not give me things that are not good things, even if I ask for them. Contentment comes when I know that living God's way with all of its sacrifice is the best way for me to live. This is the contentment the Apostle Paul says that he has and it's regardless of possessions. It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. Contentment comes from having God's uh, spirit in your heart and keeping in step with him. Paul says, whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether I'm wealthy or whether I'm poor, I'm content because I know God. And I'm determined to do what God has called me to do. 
You can be discontent or envious if you have nothing, but you can also be discontent or envious when you have everything. The flip side is that you can also be content when you have nothing. And you can also be content when you have a lot of things. The world says more stuff, more contentment. And again, that's the lie, isn't it? Because contentment doesn't come through things. Contentment doesn't come by having more toys than your next door neighbour. Contentment comes through your relationship with God as you do his will and as you determine to grow in Christ. Think of this for a minute. Where was Jesus more uh, content? When he was in heaven ruling as uh, the second person of the Trinity or when he came to earth as a humble man and suffered and was, was uh, tortured and killed. Where was he more content? Well, it's a, it's a silly question because he was content in both. He was content because he was doing the will of his father. It was regardless of his poverty or his power. It was regardless of his position. Jesus was content because he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So even though he had it all in heaven, that is not the measure of uh, our contentment and of what we should be aiming for in life. The consumerist society tells us that. Consumerism says the worst thing is to be poor, the best thing is to be rich. The Bible says that life is about being content, whether you're poor or whether you're rich. And you need to deal with those desires that would take you away from that contentment. So aligning our desires with God's desires for us is called faith. Believing that what God wants for us and what God delivers to us each day is the best thing for us because, because we trust that God is a loving Heavenly Father. The secret of being content is trusting God more with your life. Committing yourself to him like the Apostle Paul did and then whatever circumstances, whether you have much or little, you are content because you know that God is for you. So let me finish um, with this verse from 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So guard your heart against envy. Put it to death because it is trying to put you to death. There's a battle and we can win that battle in the power of God's spirit. So put envy to death. Two ways. First way is to practice being content in whatever situation you are, knowing that God is with you and that God has given that to you. And the second is practice genuine happiness for other people, particularly when they receive things that I don't have. Genuine happiness and contentment comes only from God's spirit. And as we exercise 
those things we will put to death envy and deal with another one of these deadly sins so let's pray